It's February 2022. Welcome to Muse News, the BCMA's monthly museum sector news podcast. Each month, we recap some of the latest breaking news, happenings, and announcements from museums, galleries, and heritage organizations across BC and beyond. I'm Ryan Hunt, reporting with BCMA co-anchor Leah Patterson. Join us as we explore the latest Muse News. Over to you, Leah! Two Rivers Gallery to feature unique Quebec art installation. Camouflage, Reflection, and Construction. These are the three themes that will be represented in Two Rivers Art Gallery's newest exhibition, which is all about immigration. It is called Transition, and is being constructed by the Quebec-based artist José Louis Torres, who has made the journey across Canada to create the piece for the gallery. In a release, Two Rivers said Torres is building the structure in the gallery entirely from everyday objects picked out from local secondhand stores. Torres selected these everyday objects because they are precisely the essential items many of us seek out when building a new home, they said. Torres himself has lived experience with massive relocation. He was born in Argentina, then made the move to Quebec in 2003. The exhibition opens on Saturday, February 11th, and will remain open until April 9th. Dustin Johnson, cultural program manager of the Cacatla Nation, said that the return is emotional for the nation because it connects them to their ancestors. Quote, So this one coming back is symbolic of reclaiming our belongings, but also asserting our place back in the world. It's like the nation standing up again as a symbol of pride, a symbol of decolonization, in bringing something back which was taken so dramatically. Newhawk Nation celebrates return of totem pole from Royal BC Museum. Just over three years have passed since hereditary chiefs traveled to the Royal BC Museum to seek the return of the pole, a second one, and other artifacts. Eagle Down floated in the air outside the Royal BC Museum on Monday morning as members of a First Nation from the Central Coast readied a totem pole to come home after more than a century in the museum's collection. The totem pole was hoisted out of the museum window by a crane and lowered to the ground, where it was unwrapped in front of Newhawk people, some of whom had traveled from their territory near Bellacoola to welcome the totem. Newhawk hereditary chief, Snukialtwa, who also goes by Derek Snow, said it brought tears to his eyes watching the pole leave the museum. I can see a lot of hearts are lifted today. People are happy, Snow said. The pole was carved in the mid-1800s by Louis Snukialtwa, Snow's great-grandfather, and one of the last gifted spiritual carvers in the Newhawk homeland of South Bentonic, or Taliomi. Snow, who spearheaded the effort to repatriate the totem pole, has said his great-grandfather's spirit is still in it, and can't be at rest until the pole returns to Newhawk territory. After it came out of the building, the pole was moved to lie next to the Mungo Martin Longhouse, adjacent to the museum, where women from Newhawk performed a ceremony to bless and awaken the pole. Rubbing eagle feathers on the wood, they danced around the totem while others drummed and sang. Newhawk member Bill Talio called it a dream come true for the nation to see the pole being returned home and a huge healing step. Speaking to the crowd inside the longhouse, Snow said the totem pole is the nation's storybook. It tells us who we are, he said. It contains the story of each river, mountain, and creek on our territory. The pole was taken from the Newhawk homeland south of Bellacoola when people were forced to relocate after a smallpox epidemic around 1900. It was initially a longhouse entrance pole before being moved to a gravesite. 
The museum reportedly paid $45 for the pole, which was brought south around 1912 and housed in the museum's collections. Following two days of ceremony at the Mungo Martin Longhouse, the pole will be transported to New Hawk Territory via Williams Lake, where a convoy will meet the truck transporting it to complete the journey to Bellacoola. The nation plans to keep the totem pole in the school in Bellacoola for about a year while working on a replica. The original is intended to return to South Bentonick in May of 2024, while the replica will likely remain in the school, Snow said. Just over three years have passed since Snow and three other hereditary chiefs traveled to the museum to request the return of this totem pole, a second one, and other cultural artifacts. Frustrated by slow progress, the nation initiated a lawsuit in February 2022. Those gathered inside the longhouse erupted into applause and cheers when Snow was handed an envelope with a letter from the museum acknowledging the pole's return. The letter, signed by the museum's CEO, Alicia Dubois, said the museum understands the process of returning the totem pole has not been an easy one, and apologized for the difficulties in reaching this point. The Royal BC Museum did not make anyone available for an interview on Monday. Murray Rankin, BC's Minister of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation, who attended the ceremony, with MLA's Jennifer Rice, who represents the North Coast, and Lana Popham, Minister of Tourism, Arts, Culture, and Sports, called it a long overdue day. While the nation is celebrating the return of the totem pole, they're still waiting for repatriation of other items, Newhawk elected chief Samuel Schooner said. What we witness today is reconciliation, and that's what we need to see more of. We need a house for our artifacts so we can start bringing them all home, he said. Emotional return of house post connecting BC's Kakatla Nation to their ancestors. A post has been shipped from Harvard University, expected to arrive in Prince Rupert next month. In the 130 years since Indigenous House Post was chopped down and ordered burned by missionaries, it was sold under duress, damaged, and displayed as an historic oddity, donated to the museum, and then packed away in storage for decades. Now, the Longhouse Post, which has incredible cultural value for the Kakatla Nation on British Columbia's north coast, is on its way home. The black and red, three-meter-tall, 180-kilogram house post has been shipped from Harvard University in Massachusetts and is expected to arrive in Prince Rupert next month. Art exhibit in Richmond, B.C. celebrates Black expression connection. Mary Wilson has been organizing Black History Month events in Richmond, B.C. since 2016. As a retired social worker, Wilson says she still feels compelled to connect with others and bring people together. This year, she's doing that through art, partnering with the Richmond Cultural Center to feature the work of local Black artists Crystal Noir and John Hall. Wilson told the early editions Missy Johnson she hopes the exhibit will bring encouragement and strength to everyone who visits and gives Black creators a boost of energy and inspiration. We can help and care about one another as time goes on and also showcase some amazing things that Black people have done in BC, she says. People don't know about us, and I think that some people have a stereotypical idea about Black people. Those stereotypes need to change. Crystal Noir developed a passion for painting during the COVID-19 pandemic, saying it has become a way to document her personal experience. The series of work she's featuring in Richmond this month is called Metanoia. It's really a transformative journey to finding self-love, she said of the pieces on display. The paintings sort of depict that you never really reach that destination, It's just sort of an evolving road. One of Noir's paintings on display in the gallery is called Choose Wisely. It depicts a black woman with a justice scale on her head and a heart and brain on either side of the scale. It poses the question of whether she should follow her head or her heart. 
I never really saw myself as a creative person before this, Noir said. I think I'm still learning. Painting for me is really my form of meditation and my form of therapy. No matter how I feel before I get to the canvas, once I start painting, I forget all of that. John Hall says he typically paints in an expressive style, but took a different approach with the work he's displaying in Richmond, creating mixed-media collages. I started with cutout shapes of maps and built and layered upon that, he said, explaining he added stenciled shapes of oil paint and used charcoal and kaolin clay in some of the works. The idea here was just to create visual depth and bring the viewer in and give the subject matter some of the gravity that it deserves. Hall said he wanted the pieces to feel unplanned and open-ended, hinting at the past with some tribal elements, but evoking a sense of timelessness. Wilson says she finds the art inspiring. I think that the artwork speaks to the person that's looking at it, and it's your interpretation, she said. Look at the painting, take it in, and then 15 or 20 minutes later, with a cup of tea, think about what's going through my mind. The Black Artists and Creators in Our Community exhibit ran from January 30th to February 27th in the Richmond Cultural Center's Upper Rotunda Gallery. Chilliwack Museum's latest exhibit unpacks the effects of Japanese-Canadian internment. The Chilliwack Museum and Archives is unveiling two exhibitions, The Suitcase Project and Kaleidoscope, with a special opening reception on Thursday, February 9th. The multimedia exhibition, The Suitcase Project, is on loan from the Nikkei National Museum and Cultural Center and features the work of Vancouver photographer and journalist Kyla Izamura. The Suitcase Project unpacks the artist's questions about the internment experience of Japanese Canadians, asking the question, what would you take in your suitcase if you were about to be uprooted? While younger generations never saw the internment camps of the Second World War that 12,000 of their ancestors did, Isamura's work examines how they were nonetheless impacted with a series of photographs, short films, and interviews. More than 80 people participated in the suitcase project from BC and Washington State. The bulk of those interviews were fourth and fifth generation descendants of Japanese Canadians and Americans, known as Yusai or Gosai, who revealed to the artists what their keepsakes would have been in their suitcases if they had a moment's notice to leave their homes. The suitcase project runs from February to June, and the kaleidoscope from February to June as well, at the Chilliwack Museum on 45820 Spadina Avenue. And now it's time for Who's News on Muse News. This segment features your submitted staffing changes and retirements from across the province. The Kitimat Museum and Archives is pleased to announce its new Manager of Collections and Programming, Holly Peterson. Holly brings her academic credentials and community museum experiences to the position, including those with the Whistler Museum and Archives and the Bulkley Valley Museum in Smithers. Holly's wealth of knowledge in the care and management of museum collections will benefit Kitimat. Staff are looking forward to working with Holly on its current programming, exhibitions, and collections work. The Creston Museum's research curator, Allison Small, will be returning from maternity leave on March 21st. Her focus will be on tackling the cultural anonymity that lingers in the collections, trying to identify the people represented in photographs, census records, and objects, and building the relationships with cultural communities through the 40 Years, 40 Voices project, among other initiatives. Thanks, Leah. This has been the February edition of Muse News. Join us again next month for the latest happenings, news, and information from BC Museums and beyond. Thank you.